whatever it is that you are experiencing, it will change and it gets to be whatever you want it to be. Like life gets to look like whatever you dream it to be. Did you know that your dreams will always require your healing? It's true, and that could be why you freeze or shut down whenever you try to move towards your own brilliant creativity. This podcast exists to show you exactly why that is and how to move towards creating the things that only you can. So let's go. I'm Courtney Lancaster, and this is the Heal Create Podcast. Welcome to the Heal Create Podcast, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. I am Courtney, and I'm also here with my assistant slash co-host slash amazing everything, Emily. Mm -hmm. Hello. Welcome. Hello. I love these conversations that we get to have because we have them in real life, but to be able to record them and share this is is something that I think both of us feel really aligned with and excited by. So today we had talked about discussing what it actually looks like to regulate your nervous system. On a practical level, what it has looked like for each of us and to share our journeys and to talk a little bit about why it's important. I always feel a little bit exasperated by (laughs) trying to convince creatives that they need to know this. And the reason for that is because understanding your nervous system feels very heady. It feels very science-based. It feels pretty much the opposite of any fun creativity you could engage in. But it's essential to understand for the creative mind. I mean, we're all creatives, of course, but there are people that actually identify as creatives. And those are the ones that I see not quite interested in their own well-being and regulation as much as I think might help them. So this episode is really another another one of my pitches to really uh, hopefully convince people, hopefully encourage and inspire people to understand their nervous system at a deeper level and understand how to regulate. So I wanted to go over just a little bit about what we're actually talking about and what does someone with a regulated nervous system actually look like? So Em, if you want to jump in at any time, feel free to interrupt me or jump in. But You can go back to an episode that I recorded in the first season about the autonomic ladder and about the nervous system. If you want to pause this, go listen to that. It's really short. Um, You can pull up the PDF online. You can Google like an autonomic ladder PDF. But basically what it says is that the human being has three different states that it will be in based on how safe it feels. And those three states are your ventral state which is the state of safety and connection and creativity. It's when you feel safe and grounded and connected in your body. This next state that you can be in if your body is sensing danger is your sympathetic state. And this is where anxiety is. The last state that you can be in is your dorsal state. And that's where depression is, shut down. So depending on how safe you feel, your body will be in one of three states. Now, A person with a regulated nervous system, basically, it's not that they don't experience fear, but it's that they, their body is very used to going back to feeling safe. So those are people that are, I would say, resilient, um, people that are generally connected. They feel inspired. They feel like they have an internal sense that they're going to be okay no matter what happens. And that can happen because 
you had a very attached childhood. You ha- you didn't have any major traumas. Not that anyone comes out of childhood completely unscathed and perfect, but you basically have this sense that I'm supported in the world because my parents were there for me. I had a great community and support system growing up. Uh, people believe in me. I feel empowered. And those are people that grow up to be very regulated in their nervous system. And you, if you think about it, you probably know just off the top of your head, at least somebody that you're like, oh, that person's probably regulated in their nervous system. They're magnetic. Mm -hmm. They're alive. They're lit up. What can happen though, is that we go through seasons of either chronic stress or we have acute trauma. And that puts us in what's called a dysregulated state. So either your sympathetic state, which is your it's not sympathy. It's That's just the technical term for it, which is your fight or flight state or your uh, dorsal state, which is your depressed state. If you stay there long enough, meaning those stresses are not resolving, you're not getting the healing that you need, or it was a really, really big trauma that you went through or a season of big trauma, then what happens is your body actually gets used to staying dysregulated. Mm. Your body gets used to being depressed your body gets used to being anxious. And instead of being most of the time grounded and connected and happy and occasionally in fear or occasionally shut down and going back to grounded and happy, what happens is you are most of the time either anxious or depressed and occasionally happy, but then you go back into anxiety or depression. Both you and I have experienced that in our lifetimes. Um I mean, so many, so, so, so many, especially after 2020, so many people are experiencing chronic dysregulation. The thing that's so important to know, man, I have like fire in me to really explain this, is that uh, this is what I always say when I explain this. If I could give you one takeaway from understanding your nervous system, it's this. Your state creates your story. How safe you feel in your body has everything to do with how you experience absolutely everything. Yeah. I mean, everything, your family, your job, God, your spirituality, your body, your health, it affects the way you experience everything. So that's my very quick education on the nervous system. What did (laughs) I leave out? What do you want to add? I was just thinking as you were talking and something that you said about how often people feel a little bit resistant towards doing this work. And I think what I would say to the person that's feeling that is that it doesn't have to be a hard journey. This doesn't have Mm. to be something that feels difficult and overwhelming and scary and confusing. I can remember a time when I did feel like that. And now I don't feel that way anymore. Mm -hmm. The way that I feel about doing the healing work that I'm doing in my life right now is so light and healthy and fun. Of course, going into some harder moments or big emotions feels intense sometimes, but I don't stay there anymore. So yeah, I think... Yeah, I just wanted to say that to anyone that would feel Mm. a little bit nervous about kind of venturing into this work, or maybe you don't even know where to start, but hopefully today would be helpful for you and we can lay out a few little things that have been good for us. So yeah, that's just what I wanted to add. Yeah, totally. I have such a good feeling about 
this episode for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of information out there and ways to do this that do feel a little heavy. And sometimes when Mm -hmm. you are in that dysregulated state, it's hard to notice that, like to pick up on that. It feels kind of confirming because you're already in that stressful state. So yeah, I would just encourage you, whoever is listening to this, to really gravitate towards those things that feel really good. Like you get to choose what way you want to do this and what route you want to take and the resources will be available to you, whatever you need. Totally. Yeah. And what she's saying really is like, there are a lot of ways for the human being to feel safe. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it is very, very, you know, variable based on who who you are and what what helps you feel safe. But that is what Emily and I are talking about today is how can you help your human body feel deeply safe? When we say mm-hmm. like embodying safety, we're saying like you don't just know you're safe in your head. Yeah. Your body knows that you're safe because knows that it's safe because a body that knows that it's safe is like here to build things, here to create, here to connect, here to laugh and so many things. So yeah. 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 It's not doing this work to not feel bad. It's doing this work so Mm. that you can experience all of those good things that just make life fun and like worth living truly. Yes. It sounds like a big thing, big statement, but I think it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Courtney, I'd love to know what it was like for you when you were in more of a dysregulated state, maybe a couple of years Mm -hmm. ago. um, I know you've talked about your kind of healing journey and what that looked like. Do you have any specific memories or moments that you can share with us? And Mm -hmm. now looking back, you can see that there was some dysregulation there. Yeah, some meaning constant a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It's funny because I can look back from the day that I went to the hospital for panic attacks and I remember everything. I remember every season. There mm-hmm. I mean there are definitely days that run together, especially when you're depressed for sure. But I remember especially when you're in, in a fight or flight state. But I remember every single season and it's beautiful now because I can look back and see how each season built upon each other even those those really hard seasons so that I felt like I was going backwards. So yeah, so like I said, my my healing journey began uh, eight, actually almost nine years ago with panic attacks. And at the time, what I didn't know was there was a lot of childhood trauma that I hadn't dealt with that came up to the surface, which I've mm. talked about, but I had zero context. So all I know is that I feel absolutely crazy and I can't sit down. I can't rest. I can't. I'd never had a panic attack before. I went to the hospital and, um, you know, they asked me like the few of the basic questions, like I think they were just, you know, assessing like, what do we need to do for this person? And it was basically like, yeah, this is just postpartum. So after that, I didn't want to deal with it. So I can see how I really was living in a fight, a constant like fight or flight. And the thing about being in a sympathetic state, this fight or flight state, is that you can be in a fight or flight with a seemingly good purpose. So like, I didn't know that I was running from my pain. I just found something to run for, which was for me at the time, church, which was God, which was Christianity and evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of urgency in evangelicalism. There's a lot of um, the, a lot of things that will feed that fight or flight. I wasn't in a peaceful, grounded, relaxed state creating like things from my authentic self. I just knew that I had so much pain that I was running from and I happened to be in an organization that I don't think intentionally used that against me at all. But Mm. I do think really fed into that, like, we have a mission, we have to save people, we have to go, 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 which actually is like like the unofficial term of the sympathetic state, the fight or flight state, go, 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 go. Yeah. So I can see that now that I gave a few years of my life after my hospital visit for panic attacks to this like very high intensity religious pursuit. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that. I mean, I'm a Christian now. There's a lot, a lot of that, that I love. There was a lot of beautiful things I learned about myself as a worship leader, as a leader in general. Um, But that was just a huge part of, of my life was being in a fighting off pain. I didn't know that I was doing it, but I I knew that I didn't feel safe. You know, like it should be a major clue if you can lead these massive, you know, worship gatherings or be a part of these massive meetings and then come home and not be able to sleep at night and come home and not, you know, be able to like be present with your family. It's so common. Mm -hmm. And you you think you're doing the right thing. And then you think, oh, that Satan's just trying to pull me down from this mission. But really, Jesus was so regulated in his nervous system. He was so peaceful. He only lost, you know, he lost it at the people that told other people what they had to do to be close to God. Yeah. But he was so peaceful and so magnetic. People were just so drawn to him because he was just so deeply connected in his Mm. human body, which is, again, one of the reasons why I love Christianity, because he invites us deeper into our human experience. Yeah. And basically it's telling us, hey, it's safe to be here. So after that, because the human body can only withstand anxiety for so long before it goes into shutdown, I did eventually go into deep, deep shutdown and depression. And it kind of happened after I stopped leading worship. I stopped being on really big stages in that in that area. And it was like I just had myself to face from a nervous system standpoint, you know, depression happens after you are at that high level of chronic stress. Yeah. So being there for a few years, finally, yeah, my body just, I noticed a a ton of chronic symptoms, a ton of Mm. issues besides like massive fatigue and not being able to sleep, not being able to think straight brain fog. Like there's just so many, so, so many physical symptoms that come along with, with being dysregulated chronically. And so mm-hmm. another way that I coped was I was trying to figure out diagnoses. I was trying to change eating habits. I was mm-hmm. trying to exercise differently. And that was a big part of my journey as well, was just trying to figure all of that stuff out. And um, I started trauma therapy a few years back. And so it had been maybe five or six years since, since the beginning, since, since the hospital stay. I had done some good therapy before. I had some foundational stuff that was really helpful. Um, I was beginning to understand myself. I was understanding triggers, but I didn't understand um, like what was why I was still having panic, why I was still yeah. experiencing a lot of depression. So what I began to do was to finally, with the help of a brilliant trauma therapist, work through um, some of the pain that I had been running through. And that looked like for me understanding that emotions – are sensations in the body 
Mm. So really actually sitting with my emotions, quite literally sitting with my emotions and developing a discomfort tolerance for my actual physical emotions was essential because you don't even realize what you're running from and your thoughts come after the feelings in your body. And your thoughts are scary as hell when you're that dysregulated. They're so dark. I'm not sure where this came from. God. (laughs) But I did reach the point where I thought I can't live like this anymore. And I know that's an incredibly dark place to be. Yeah. Very intrusive thoughts. Very, very, very dark. Um, But I, by the grace of God, thought I I can't live like this anymore. So I'm going to change this, whatever it takes. Mm. Where I know that that's not always the place that people go. I just was like, this doesn't make sense that a human body would not want to live anymore. It doesn't make any sense because the human body is made for life. So I I just felt like whatever it takes, I'm going to figure this out because a human, any living thing deserves life. And that was something that really fueled me when things got really dark was I I just kept coming back to that. I can't live like this anymore. Like if I'm doing everything that I know to do and this is where I'm at, there must be something I don't know. So I just kept pushing forward, quite literally, like really kept pushing forward. And then I learned how to sit with my emotions. I learned how to stop praying them away and how to start comforting them, how to actually physically be with them. Mm. So there was this season where I had to really understand my childhood and like what the little girl that I was actually went through, which was some really severe trauma. And then I had to, um, not had to, but then I felt led to work with and learning from a Jungian psychologist, Cheryl Paul. Mm -hmm. That was a major thing for me to understand because I don't know how to, how to totally explain it, but basically because I, I had so many intrusive thoughts. I was, when you're dysregulated chronically, especially your thoughts are really intense and really coming at you and just basically telling you that all the things you're most afraid of are true Mm -hmm. and, or potentially true because your thoughts come from this state that you're in. I begin to want to be brave with my thoughts and to really like not be so afraid of them and to understand them. So working with a Jungian psychologist, learning especially from her through her blog and all of her teachings really helped me to like understand that thoughts are metaphors, that the psyche speaks in mm. all, like a metaphorical language and that um, I get to choose who I am. And like, I, you know, the more that I connect with myself, the more that I um, know the difference between who I truly am and a scary fear thought. And then when a scary fear thought would come, I would learn how to sit with it and understand what was the message. You know, a lot like dreams, like you have these scary dreams and it's just your body trying to process things. Mm -hmm. There's not like these literal fears that we're afraid of. So that was an important thing for me. Another really important thing was we worked with a marriage counselors and she was very like an embodiment expert. And she taught me how to work with my own body, my own like, well, what she taught me to do is to work with music, to put on songs and to move in whatever way my body needed to move. Mm to feel whatever was was happening. That was huge for me. I still do that every day because just like the feminine body, 
has a need to express, I believe. At least that's what I had found for myself was mm-hmm. that there was a lot to understanding my own femininity just yeah, as a wife and as a woman and how we process differently than men. And so moving like to an angry song, like really getting out aggression about things that had happened to me, like kind of just working it out of my body, not believing it, not staying in it, Mm -hmm. but like this practice of just moving through it, through songs, she would say like, put on three songs, a sad song, an angry song and an upbeat song or whatever you're feeling that day. Um, and like really like moving intuitively and it's, a change absolutely changed. Yeah. It was a huge, huge thing for me. That really helped me come up out of depression. And this is the thing about healing your nervous system. I know this is a long story, but healing your nervous system is that if you are all the way, if you look at the autonomic ladder, you can Google it right now. If you're all the way down your ladder, then healing your nervous system is actually going to look like you coming up your ladder, which means that you are going to go from depression to anxiety up into ventral eventually. So yeah. you, your body's used, if your body's used to being depressed, you have to kind of get used to being anxious for a little while mm-hmm. um, before your body gets used to being in its ventral state. So I went from depression, like a shutdown absolutely like in bed, not creating anything really hard to connect up Mm. into a sympathetic state and working with Cheryl, working with Brandy all really helped. And then I found brain retraining and brain retraining was again, something that I, I don't think it's the whole picture of healing at all, but it was really essential to me. And brain retraining is basically Using your five senses to imagine really wonderful, joyful, connecting, positive things. Because your state creates your story. Well, if you're depressed or anxious, then your story is basically negative almost all the time and fear-based. And so this taught me how to like use my imagination to just allow myself to – your brain doesn't know what's real or imagined. So when you imagine something (laughs) – I know, which is really crazy, but you can really use that to your advantage to help yourself imagine goodness and imagine good, really good things. And um, that helped me. That's also something that I use all the time. Now, it just changed the way that I think. Mm. And I remember somebody in brain retraining talking about it being a pathway to an emergency-free life. And that is something that I want to embody. It's a foundational value for me, an emergency free life, because so many things really can go wrong. They can deeply, deeply affect you. But when you know how internally connected to God you are, how safe you are, how protected you are, because you are actually a very powerful and strong person, you have to learn that over time. That wasn't something I just decided one day. But once you really begin to learn that, you really realize how, oh, oh, I can actually survive anything. And of course, there's you get to the point where you're like, but what if I actually don't survive? And I think that eventually, because of the regulation work that I had done over years, I just feel like I'm at the point now where you trust that there's something bigger Mm -hmm. that's got your timeline in his hands. Yeah. And that... It's okay. 
And so the point that I find myself at now as far as regulating is practicing enjoying my life and slowing down. Major message this year for me was Mm. I felt like God God kind of twice, these really like deep encounter moments that I had with God where he's like, slow slow down. (laughs) And he said, you're going to be here for a while, Courtney. And not like he was guaranteeing me some like extra long timeline that other people don't get, but he was inviting me to live like that. You're going to be here for a while. Yeah. So I show up for myself every single day. I used to say like, I can't afford not to. Now at this point, I don't want to miss a day. Yeah. Regulating Mm -hmm. movement, um, music, connecting to God, the grief practice, which I've talked about on Instagram and I'll do a podcast episode about too, but just really letting myself cry about whatever I need to cry about opens up so much joy in me as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, in a lot of ways, life feels like it's just beginning and it's really, it's a miracle. It's Mm. not a mystery because I showed up every day, but it's a miracle. Yeah. 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 I love hearing that. Yeah. Thank you Mm. so much. I hope that that encourages and inspires anyone too. And, you know, even if you're listening to this and you have any questions, you can always DM me on Instagram as well. But Okay, so what about you? What's been your story of regulation and learning how to regulate? I can look back on my childhood and see that from a pretty young age, in a lot of moments, I had a lot of anxiety. And I think as a kid, you kind of don't even know what that is. Like you don't know what's happening to you. You're just noticing these sensations. But things like piano lessons or piano exams and school exams. And I did athletics for most of my childhood. And I can look back and notice that on those days where I had races, I was like almost too anxious to even Mm -hmm. be able to to perform in the way that I knew that I could, but having those big emotions. And I think I've always been a sensitive person. My parents would always Mm -hmm. describe me as that, but Yeah, over time, the lack of understanding around emotions and what's happening and how to move through them through childhood and then also going through some big trauma moments um, when I was a teenager, uh, those really kind of revealed all of the stuff that I hadn't learned, if that makes sense. So like this big moment happened and then afterwards I was processing through that, but because I didn't have the foundation of understanding yeah. this stuff, it it almost like made it worse and kind of yeah, it compounded. That's how to say it. <laughs> totally, um, yeah. But yeah, when I was seventeen, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and went on medication, and mm. that was a really hard thing for me to go through. Mm-hmm. I I think at that time. It was still kind of taboo to talk about this stuff. Yeah. I feel like now we just freely talk about it. It's kind of normal to share like about what's going on in terms of yeah. mental health and physical health, but in my circles anyway. But um, yeah. I think just on a wider scale, we're just able to talk about it more. But that was really hard for me to process when I was Ugh. 17. And 
Absolutely. I went through a really big stage of shutdown as well with moments of anxiety. So my dysregulation in my body has gone through like moments of shutdown and then moments of really big anxiety and kind of like oscillating between those kind of in a cycle. So I would go up into the anxious base and then because it was just so hard to move through and kind of extended, I would then go into shutdown, which super common. Yeah. Yeah. So many people go through this. Yeah. But dorsal is actually more energy taxing than sympathetic, even though it feels like sympathetic has all this energy and you really want to move in your body and it feels quite intense. Over a long term, dorsal takes more out of you, which Mm -hmm. isn't something to be afraid of because your body can totally heal. But that Mm -hmm. also left me with some chronic issues like IBS and Mm -hmm. issues with my menstrual cycle and energy and just yeah general not feeling good and I think in my story I've always had this feeling of this isn't going to be my story like my life story is not going to be me being sick it's it's so much bigger than this so I actually took myself off the antidepressants I was on when I was like 19 and just decided (laughs) I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and I just knew that that was not the answer for me and for some people it is Mm -hmm. and that's amazing and I think there's a time and place for medication but I just am more of a holistic minded person I think I have been even when I was a teenager yeah um after that stage after that little phase of life I kind of just carried on as normal so I I came up out of that shutdown and what felt normal to me was this underlying state of anxiety that I'd had through childhood but after that I kind of thought that was normal you know kind Mm -hmm. of carrying on with life and then I moved to Reading which is where I met you and really felt like all of this stuff was coming up bubbling out of me mm-hmm. uncontrollably and a lot mm-hmm. of emotions that I had not processed I would have big moments where I would feel a lot of grief and pain and then I would not know what to do with them so I would again push it back down kind of similar yeah. to your story where you like yeah. have these big expression moments and I would be quite out of control or I'd feel quite out of control in them. Um, And then I would go back to normal again and kind of keep functioning. But when I got to Reading, that stopped happening. It was kind of just this continual. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Lots of emotions felt very chaotic because of my history. And then that's when I started seeing you, Courtney. And we started meeting Mm in, I think, the June of 2020, I was one of those people that like was so happy (laughs) to just be at home and I have like some really fond memories of just getting to like really tune into myself for the first time and Mm. slow down again. That's also been a big part of my story, just really slowing down and saying no to things and yeah, tuning into what feels good for me. Um, I started meeting with you and you taught me all of this stuff that you share on the podcast and <laughs> we yeah. process through so many deep moments and mm-hmm. I think through that at the beginning 
again, it still felt a little bit intense because I was having Mm -hmm. all of these emotions. I wasn't yet able to connect to my true self in the way that I am now. And this part that does feel very safe and knows that I'm going to be okay. I was Mm -hmm. still growing in that. So dipping into the painful memories or moments of lack, moments of big triggers and fear and feeling so scared. Um, It took me a while to then regulate out of those moments to reconnect back and have like ventral moments that lasted longer than just a second. Because even in all of this, these stories and this whole timeline, I had really strong moments of ventral connection and I found inspiration. I found joy. I had things that would like carry me along and give me energy. So even though I was very shut down, I still would like peek out, if you know what I mean. Totally. There would be a a ventral opening, as Sarah Baldwin says, I think. Yes. And so those really carried me. But now I'm able to spend so much more time in ventral because I've shown up for myself consistently twice a month, once a month in sessions for over three years. And Mm -hmm. I'm also doing the daily things. So what that looked like for me was meeting with you. And then I did a course with Sarah Baldwin. It's called You Make Sense, which I highly recommend. It's so amazing. Yeah. I also did some courses with Cheryl, which I just love her and what she shares. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I started doing acupuncture. I was doing yoga. I've been doing bowspring now. Yeah. Again, lots of movement and then kind of merging the physical and emotional. That's felt really good for me to not always be in this like headspace of trying to figure everything out and totally only working with the emotions and kind of the sensations, but actually kind of disconnecting and working through it in another way. I go on lots of walks. I do deep imaginings where you go into a memory and Mm -hmm. reimagine something that feels very Mm -hmm. supportive and gentle and yeah yeah those daily things have over time meant that even though I do dip down into sympathetic sometimes and even dorsal it mm-hmm. it doesn't last long anymore and I'm yeah. I'm able even in those places to kind of even surrender to them and not resist it and just be like it's yeah. okay to let this happen because I know I'm going to come out again. And so yeah. I think a huge thing for me, I was actually thinking about this yesterday, was reimagining what it means to be dysregulated. And for a long time, I had this idea that it was so bad. good. Like yeah. when I'm dysregulated, this is bad because, you know, it's taking all my energy and I can't digest my food and blah, blah, blah. Like you can learn about all these things. But I think dysregulation is part of the divine human design. And it's not something that we need to avoid. It's something Mm -hmm. that is there to protect us. And if we didn't have it, it would be disastrous. (laughs) So even though maybe our protective mechanisms come online in moments that we don't really need them anymore, it doesn't mean that we're bad and that we're broken and something's wrong with us. So a huge turning point for me was around... June last year when I decided that I was going to think about my dysregulation in a really positive way and I wasn't going to be afraid of it and so Mm. now I can dip into those moments and actually I think 
growing tolerance to feel those is a really good thing yeah. as well. Like knowing that it's safe, it's okay. And then that actually makes it easier to come back up into ventral and safety and feel connected and good and totally. delight and all the good things that all yeah. of us want to feel and our bodies actually want to feel too. And that's the way that they're always leading us in. So totally, yeah, I think a, a core thing for me has been believing that my body's always healing even in yeah. dysregulation. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you said that so, so well. Thank mm. you for sharing all that. It was actually really cool to hear your story in succession like that. I totally agree. That's been absolutely the, es- the essential belief for me is to believe that every day I heal a little bit. Mm-hmm. Every day I heal a little bit. Yeah. And some days don't necessarily feel like you're going in a healing direction. And so I remember realizing like I need to look at it in like months. I need to look at it in seasons yeah. and be like, okay, but over the last month, where have I gotten anywhere in the last season? You're right. And another word for dysregulated is, or another term for dysregulated is actually just self-protected. Yeah. So if we didn't have a body that whose number one goal was to protect us, then we would you know, live in bodies that couldn't tell the difference between safety and danger. And that you're exactly right. That would be disastrous. We need that online. We just want to be able to return to ventral state. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we wrap this episode up, I wanted to just mention a couple of things. There's so many, besides like five new podcast ideas that I got just from hearing your story. (laughs) (laughs) There are a couple of things I just want to say for this episode, which is the shame that we have around dysregulation is that's probably not the way that people would say it. They would probably talk about feeling ashamed for their depression. Yeah. Feeling ashamed for their anxiety and really being like, I'm just struggling with anxiety. I'm battling anxiety. I'm Mm. battling depression. Yeah. And that's, I think I would challenge anybody listening to maybe change their wording around that because anxiety is incredibly self-protective. It's a body that's like, hey, hey, I see you're in danger, so don't worry. I'm going to fill you with so much energy that you can run from this this predator that must must be there because you're obviously so scared. Yeah. Um, depression is the same, like you said. It actually takes way more energy to be depressed than anxious. So the shame around um, that, like, no energy, can't get out of bed, like, not doing anything amazing is um, – actually your body saying this threat is so imminent and it's going to hurt you at any moment. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to shut you down completely so that when the lion does eat you, you'll be so numb, you won't be able to feel it. It's very a very loving thing. And obviously we both are Sarah Baldwin fans and she talks about that being like incredibly, like your body's working brilliantly based on what it thinks is happening. And the more that you can see that this is my body. I remember Ruth Lee Lindsay saying loud bodies are loving bodies. So the loud, crazy thoughts, the chaotic feelings, those are actually your body saying, oh my goodness, you're, you're in danger. Let me help you. So there's, you know, another episode we can do talking about how people do get so dysregulated. But the truth is, especially in the Western world, is something like 97% of what you're afraid of actually isn't ever going to happen. So, so much of what we are worrying about actually has to do a lot with our bodies 
not knowing the difference between what's safe or dangerous because of what's happened to us in the past. Mm -hmm. And that's so, so, so very healable. The other thing I wanted to say was, you know, mental illness diagnoses. One of the reasons why this is so, so revolutionary, this understanding of your nervous system is it's really changing how people see mental illness diagnoses, even like bipolar being a, an extreme, um, low, dorsal state, like completely shut down into an extreme um, sympathetic with a splash of ventral. So meaning you are in a high, high, like high energy with a little bit of play and it's very frantic. So they'll call it like a manic episode and you're like reaching for connection. You're it's basically like your body knows it's going to go back into shutdown eventually. So it's like trying to grab all the resources from being mobilized that it can. And then you go back into like a shutdown response. And I am not a doctor. I am not saying that anybody shouldn't get treatment for whatever they need to get treatment for. But just to take some of the shame away from the maybe the titles that you've been given. I mean, at any given point, I probably could have been diagnosed with so many of us could have <laughs> with yes a- a- anything like ev- yeah. everything and i was i was also diagnosed with anxiety and, and depression and so there's just no shame in mm-hmm. being in a self-protected state that's all yeah. that anxiety and depression are and once you can teach your body that it is deeply connected to god deeply connected to others and deeply connected to safety life opens up in the most beautiful way mm. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Anything you want to add before we go? There's so much I could say. I know. (laughs) I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Down the rabbit hole. I want to go. Um, I know. We will. We'll we'll do more on this. Hopefully it helps people. Yeah. I think the only thing I would say is that the story gets to change. Whatever it is that you are experiencing – it will change and it gets to be whatever you want it to be. Like life gets mm-hmm. to look like whatever you dream it to be. And it's so, yeah. so possible. And it doesn't have to be that long, like you said. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be yeah. that long until mm-hmm. truly everything changes. And sounds kind of like cliche, but I think both mine and Courtney's story can be some evidence for you something that you can kind of hold on to. I know that I've needed other people's stories and getting to look at other people's lives, knowing that's possible for me too. So if you need that today, then you can take it. (laughs) Yes, you can take it from us to you. I hope you guys have such a wonderful rest of your week and I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I think that's all. Yeah. Have a great day, everyone. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heal Create Podcast. I wanted to share with you guys a couple of things. The first one is we have an inspiration mirroring exercise PDF available on my website or via the link in my Instagram bio. And what this is, is this is an exercise that I created based on the idea that whoever inspires you embodies your potential. So you can download that exercise. It's something that I walk clients through to help them get really connected to their authentic, true self. If that's a journey that you're interested in going on, you can get started today by downloading that. The second thing is if you have enjoyed this podcast at all, I wanted to ask if you would like or subscribe, or share with a friend, or review. That really helps us get this message of emotionally sustainable creativity out into the world. Um, We just really appreciate you, and this has been such a fun journey to go on. I think that's all. 
Wish you deep healing and joyful creativity.